Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Monday morning, October the 25th, 2021. It is 7.02 on your Tucson morning. And we are live here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, and Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And as you know, during the football season, during on a, on a Monday, it is you know essentially Monday morning, quarterback Monday morning, overreaction, whatever you want to call it. It's Monday morning, and we got a ton of football to discuss today. Not only football going back to yesterday in the NFL, Saturday with Collegiate, but also on Friday because that's when the Wildcats played and they uh, they took on the Washington Huskies. Of course, succumbing to the uh, the Washington the, the, the big flurry of of points in the second half, uh, specifically later in the game in the fourth quarter, un- unable to uh, answer with a touchdown of their own in the second half and uh, eventually lose to Washington twenty one sixteen. We will definitely have plenty of to dis- uh, things to discuss with uh, with that. The Arizona Cardinals stumble early against the Houston Texans. Maybe they were trying too hard, you know, because of you know two of the players that were on the roster for the Cardinals that were with the Texans that had ugly breakups with that organization. You're talking about J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins, of course. Maybe they were trying too hard, but the the opening score was five nothing Texans. <laughs> two nothing to start the game uh, in the first quarter. First quarter was was really ugly football by both teams. It was evident, however, that Houston was probably not going to get anything going anytime soon offensively, and that played through throughout the entire rest of the game. And you knew eventually the Cardinals were going to find something to uh, to move the ball offensively, and they did. And the Cardinals ended up winning that game thirty one to five. We had a, a second week in a row with a scoregami. Scoregamis, if you're not familiar, a scoregami is when a an NFL final score is the first of its kind. So last week in the in the Giants game, the Rams Giants game, it was a 38 to 11 scoregami. That score had never happened in the history of the NFL. And then yesterday we had a scoregami with a 31 five final. <laughs> that was an interesting one. I thought the the Panthers Giants game was going to be a scoregami. That game was five to three forever. I was kind of rooting for it, to be honest with you, even though that game pretty much ruined my big parlay that I had yesterday. I had a fun parlay yesterday. So the one of the things that I bet yesterday, and the, the, I, I, listen, there's some there's some really fun props out there that you can do that, that will just help you enjoy, you know, football. Like if your team's not playing or something during the morning session or if your team's on a bye or something like that, there are things you can do to really kind of enhance your your – viewing experience, if you will, for watching the games. I bet that every single team would score a touchdown. Every team in, in the morning session would score a touchdown. So, you know, watching the game, watching the red zone, and, I'm, you know, me and my buddy are going back and forth, and I'm like, check mark, check mark, check mark. So we're sending check marks to each other. I'm like, there's four. There's four early on, baby. Got four, four down, eight to go. And I knew, I knew it. I, that Panthers-Giants game to me just stood out. I was like, I'm worried about that Panthers-Giants game. I'm worried about the Jets. 
And then when when Zach Wilson went down, then I was really worried about the Jets because they were like, backup quarterback is Mike White out of Western Kentucky. I'm like, who? Who? I watch more college football than any human ever should, and I've never heard of Mike White from Western Kentucky. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe I had to call my friend Thomas, who works at uh, U of A Athletics. He's a Western Kentucky guy. Find out from him who this Mike White guy is. Anyway, Zach Wilson goes down. I'm like, okay, we're done. Like, this is this is not going to happen. The, the Jets are not going to score with Mike White as their quarterback, and lo and behold, they score two plays later. But I had in my mind, I was like, ah, that stinking Panthers-Giants game, there could be something weird there. It's 5-3. Nobody's moving the football. It's a complete – it's just a complete mess. It was an ugly football game, horrible, horrible mess of a game. And then, like, who knew that the the Kansas City Chiefs would be – I mean, well, they weren't the only reason because the Panthers didn't score a touchdown. But the Kansas City Chiefs were the team that essentially broke that – you know, broke that parlay up. Did not score a touchdown yesterday for the first time since the Super Bowl, which, ironically, wasn't that long ago. We'll talk about Chiefs football later on in the show. Uh, of course, I have my, my Dean's list and my Dunce list. If that's any kind of indication of who's on one of those lists, yeah, you'd be right. <laughs> I wonder where the, where the Chiefs are going to end up. We'll talk about the Chiefs a little bit later on because they've got more problems than just defense like they have they they, there's there's something really really wrong with that football team right now uh but we'll talk about that a little bit later some other nfl scores and and news and notes we'll have those for you throughout the day uh throughout the show uh, we'll be here for the next 12 hours uh throughout the morning as uh, as we discuss nfl we'll also have some college football thoughts and scores and news and notes um as we go over real quick go through my pick results from uh from friday i did my nfl lock of the week that was Indianapolis plus four and a half. That, of course, came to fruition last night in a torrential rainstorm in San Francisco as the 49ers, speaking of teams with problems, you know, Kyle Shanahan regarded as one of the more brilliant minds in the NFL, but a losing record as a head coach and some real head scratchers this season on some decisions, uh, specifically last night in the challenge that he that he threw that People on Twitter were just like, the 49ers should lose all three of their timeouts for Shanahan challenging that play. It wasn't a good look for the 49ers. They played really bad. They continue to rack up at a at what seems to be an NFL record pace of defensive P.I. calls five more in the game last night. It's basically, for opposing teams at this point against the 49ers defense, it's just Chuck and Duck and the 49ers will commit a P.I., and then you get your you get your yardage. With five, I think it was five PI calls for ninety-seven yards against the 49ers last night. That's that you just you can't do it. So Indianapolis, uh, I get the win with that one. Indianapolis uh, does win the game outright, obviously thirty to eighteen. So they not only cover, they get the straight up win. Uh, so that moves my season to seven and one on my NFL locks of the week. And then my Friday five. Now I, I'm I'm pretty sure I made six picks on the air, but I only have five written down. Uh, because I was confused all weekend. I was like, oh, yeah, Notre Dame going to, you know, looks like I'm going to get that uh, that prediction that I made on Notre Dame. And then I realized that when I was looking at my notes, I didn't have the game written down. But I did have Notre Dame covering the 7.5. I remember talking about it on the air. So I'm going to count that one <laughs> because even though I never written down, I know I made that pick on the air. Uh, so I went 3-3 three and three against the spread. Again, um, kind of a weird week in college football. 
the games that I lost, I had Iowa State minus seven. They won the game, but only won by three. It was a great football game. Um, really, you know, great defense being played on both sides. Zero turnovers in that game. Uh, not a whole lot of penalties in that game either, except for one of the worst penalties you ever see for a taunting uh, that was levied against Iowa State as their running back or uh, wide receiver was dancing, going into the end zone and was just kind of high-stepping it a little bit. Not, I mean, not dancing or anything, just high-stepped it for the final three yards, flagged for a taunting, which is just a horrible, horrible call. Uh, but nonetheless, that, that was a loss for me because Iowa State didn't cover the seven. Uh, Wisconsin found themselves, I don't know what, they, they threw the ball eight times in the game. So Wisconsin basically, Paul Chris went out there and said, we know that, that Purdue's run defense isn't great. It, it's been okay, but we know it's not great. We're just going to line up, double tight end, and we're going to go big heavy, and we're going to run our two running backs, and they did. I think both running backs had over 150 yards uh, rushing in that game. And Wisconsin just grinded Purdue into salt uh, as they win the game 30-13 to last night I, I, I on Saturday. I had Purdue winning that game 24-20, uh, but uh, Wisconsin obviously had other plans, and Purdue did not play well. They played extremely poorly, actually, and the, and the passing game was terrible. Uh, Pittsburgh, I had Pitt winning 27-20. They actually won 27-17 over Clemson. Uh, DJ Ongolele was finally benched by head coach Dabo Sweeney, so I think that was kind of a, a long time coming, but Clemson, you know, they have issues, and I was talking to, you know, a buddy of mine over the weekend about their problems, and for me, the problems with Clemson football starts up front. Like, they, their offensive line is not very good, and over the last two years, they've been able to mask that with Travis Etienne. And people want to give Trevor Lawrence the credit. Look, Trevor Lawrence gets all the credit in the world. He's a fantastic quarterback. He was amazing at college, and we're seeing just how good he is at the pro level with quite possibly the worst roster, maybe the Jets, but one of the two worst rosters in in football uh, with, you know, Trevor Lawrence continues to to grow and put up good numbers, and they got the win, of course, last week, kind of by this week. But Travis Etienne led the country in broken tackles the each of the last two years, and that masked a lot of the problems that they're having at Clemson. He was able to break that first tackle and able to get seven, eight yards at a clip and really fueled that offense. Now they don't have ETN in the backfield. The offensive line is rebuilding. DJ Ungolele is not very good at his decision-making and has been inaccurate uh, most of the season, and their offense is an absolute mess. Um, Pitt continues to play well under Kenny Pickett. We'll talk about him a little bit later on as well. BYU gets the win up in the Palouse, but it was only 21-19. They were favored by 4.5. I had BYU winning by 10 in that game. The BYU passing game, I was wrong. I, I, I was speaking glowingly about Jaron Hall last week and, you know, in previous weeks before. Uh, their passing game looks terrible. I think it was like 100, 144 yards passing in the game against Wazoo. Um, a lot of drop passes, uh, just some bad decisions being made there. there was Washington State had a couple uh, uh, interception opportunities that were dropped. Max Borgie scored three touchdowns for the uh, for the Red Cougars, but it wasn't enough as the Blue Cougars came out on top. But I lose that one because uh, BYU unable to cover. And then uh, San Diego State was a three-point underdog to Air Force, and I had them winning straight up, and they did. Um, they won that game 20-14 to in a uh, real defensive slugfest there as the Aztecs continue 
to impress and move up the uh, the rankings. And uh, they beat Air Force at Colorado Springs. That was a good win for San Diego State. Gritty win for them. Uh, and they just continue winning. They look really, really good. And they are going to be a uh, uh, a real contender. I mean, it, it, as we get ready to you know to wind down the season, it'll be interesting to see what happens atop that conference. So uh, we'll keep a close eye on that. But those are the uh, those are the results from my picks from Friday. Again, uh, NFL lock of the week. I go to seven and one on the season on that. And my Friday five, I am twenty four and twenty one against the spread after going three and three this week. So yeah. Uh, plenty of other things to talk about. Of course, Major League Baseball, the World Series is set. Game one is tomorrow. Braves and Astros. As I said last week, raise your hand if you had Braves and Astros in the World Series at the beginning of the season. Now put your hands down because you're lying. Um, you know, I, I don't. I don't think it's going to move the needle. You know, this is a uh, a team that won 88 games in the Atlanta Braves, who made some trades that I mentioned in the you know at the trade deadline at the end of July of this year to bring in four outfielders, and one of them in Rosario has paid huge, huge dividends as he was the uh, NLCS MVP, and he deserved it. I mean, he just he was in the cover off of the ball uh, in that series. Continues to, to hit extremely well in the postseason, but still, an 88-win Braves team who doesn't move the needle really much anywhere outside of the South. And then you have the Houston Astros, who only move the needle in Houston because nobody else wants to see them win because – once you've been labeled a cheater, people do not forget that. And regardless of the players on the team or the manager on the bench or whomever is running the team, uh, regardless of, of you know whether those guys have been moved out or not, you're still going to be labeled a cheater. Fans are going to continue to call you that, and they're going to root against you. So not a really exciting World Series as far as Major League Baseball must be concerned. The fan interest is going to be low uh, in this particular series, you know, certainly lower than if it had been Red Sox Dodgers or Red Sox Giants or something like that. Um, even like Astros Dodgers or Astros Giants would have been fun. But, uh, you know, this kind of this matchup here, not real sexy, but uh, we'll continue to, of course, cover that for you. We'll have a breakdown of uh, World Series Game 1 for you tomorrow. And the NBA and the NHL continue to roll on. And interestingly enough, my pick, I, I, I thought there was great value in this pick at the beginning of the season. And uh, so far, so good in my NHL uh, pick to win the Stanley Cup. I picked the Florida Panthers to, uh, to win the Stanley Cup this year. They were coming off at like plus 1,900. So I dropped some, uh, some shekels on that, and they're 5-0 and right now. They're going to be in town in Glendale tonight to take on the Arizona Coyotes, who are 0-4-1, and and it's abysmal right now. In, uh, in Glendale watching that team play hockey. So uh, not good, but uh, the Florida Panthers off to a 5-0 and start looking real, real good. That was my team to uh, to, to win the Stanley Cup, and uh, we'll see. You know, they're a young team. They're hungry. They made a, a move for a, a goaltender in the offseason. See if that pays off for them. So far, so good. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, we will discuss everything that happened on Friday night at Arizona Stadium. Uh, look, you know the Wildcats obviously came out you know on the on the negative side of the of the of the scoreboard on the wrong end of the board there continue their losing streak to 19 games uh now it's it's becoming uh you know a real real issue as the season starts to get closer to an end and those opportunities to win games become lesser and lesser and you have a 13 nothing lead in this game and you're feeling pretty good about yourself defense is balling out like you wouldn't believe and then a couple of mistakes lead to more mistakes, lead to more mistakes, and next thing you know, time is ending and you've lost the game. So we'll talk about that next coming up, uh, and I'll give you my thoughts on what I saw 
and uh, how the Wildcats can uh, turn things around and hopefully put something together to get themselves a win against a uh, against a, a squandering and, and uh, beleaguered USC Trojans team this weekend. Join Spears and Ali for Monday Night Football tonight as they broadcast live from Famous Sam's on River and Lachoya. You can come down and watch the show live and then stay tuned for the Monday Night Football game. Uh, the Mondays from uh, from 3 to 6, uh, the happy hour there is from 2 to 6. So happy hour at Famous Sam's if you're going to get off early today or if you're off today, congratulations. Uh, happy hour is there from 2 to 6. It's a clean, friendly spot to hang out with. Invite your family, invite your friends to come down. Uh, 42 televisions, over 20 beers on tap, and, of course, great food on the Famous Sam's menu. That's at Famous Sam's on River in La Choya. Spears and Ali today for Monday Night Football from 3 to 6. Come on down and join the crew and have some fun. Wildcats talk next right here on the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM. We're Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, and yes, we are going to be talking locals, including local. Uh, we'll have some FC Tucson tickets to be given away. Be listening for your cue to call to uh, enjoy some local soccer action in the uh, the city of Tucson. We'll have that sometime in the in hour number one here. Be listening for your cue to call for that if you want to win some FC Tucson tickets. All right, so the Wildcats lose twenty-one to sixteen on Friday night at Arizona Stadium, a game where they enjoyed a thirteen nothing lead at halftime. Um, took that lead into the third quarter, obviously, where they then took a 16-7 to lead into the fourth quarter, and then the problems began. Let's talk about beginning. Let's, let's start with just the overall the statistics of the game, just looking inside the numbers, um, you know, where Arizona succeeded, where they failed. It was a pretty even game offensively. Uh, Washington was not able to to establish a running game at all, which I was really pleasantly surprised to see because they had their starting tailback back. Sean McGrew uh, came back, and then um, of course uh, um, Kamari Peterman was also uh, was also a part of the uh, uh, a part of the mix there as well. You know he you know he was there. Uh, Pleasant, not Peterman, Kamari, Kamari uh, Pleasant, uh, the, the tailback. And you know, so they had essentially their you know their top two guys uh, playing at the at the running back position. They were only able to muster 88 yards uh, rushing, 2.3 yards per carry. They did have 38 attempts, so it's not like they weren't trying, uh, and they had to because Dylan Morris was absolutely terrible in the first half of that game. In fact, at halftime, Washington only had 64 yards of offense at halftime. Arizona's defense was straight balling. It they were absolutely dominant. But as we've seen, in it's it's been a, a common thread this season, as the offense continues to languish and continue to have to give the ball back to the opposing team, the defense begins to wear down. The defense who is already somewhat thin at several positions because of uh, whether it be scholarships, injuries, or players opting not to play the rest of the season. Um, you know, they're already thin, and we've seen some issues late in games, and, and we did see some breakdowns in the game last night. A lot of people think that it was because of of matchup situations and um, halftime adjustments. I've seen a lot of people out there, the, the Twitter warriors out there, 
calling for Jed Fish's job. First of all, that's ridiculous. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna address it because it's just, it's completely stupid, to, <laughs> to be asking for this guy's job after seven games. Uh, so I'm not even gonna address it. There has been, you know, talk about the, the lack of being able to make adjustments at halftime, and that's fair. Okay, that's fair. But, you know, if if what you're doing is working for you, you're up thirteen nothing. You are absolutely suffocating a, a Pac-12 offense right now. There's really no need to change. You just need to tweak and see what has worked for you and maybe work off of that. And I thought Arizona did that. It's just that mistakes, <laughs> the mistakes kept happening on the field. You get a, an interception on a screen pass. You, you don't like. You don't see that that often. And look, you know, give give credit to that young man, Latui Nasamoa. Was uh, I, 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 of course, you know, you look at the roster and, and Washington has a lot of poly guys on there. And I'm like, okay, I got to brush up on my poly pronunciations here. Um, and it took a while before the game. Thankfully, I have, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the opposing team's SID had a really good pronunciation guide and was able to help me through a lot of those. Um, I, you know, you look at a name like that and you're like, I hope I only have to call his name like once or twice. Of course, you know, he was like third on the team in tackles and made some big plays. But, Look, you got to give credit to that guy. He he snuffed, he sniffed out the the uh, the screenplay, began drifting back, basically running to a point. And and as a as a defensive lineman, if you do sniff screen, first of all, you better be right, because if you bail out on your on your run gap and they gash uh, they gash you in that spot, you're in big trouble. So you better know what you're doing. You better you better be right on that. He drifted back to a spot. So what you do is once you once you realize it's a screenplay, you run to a point on the field. Okay, you run to a point on the field, approximately five yards to your outside and three yards to your backside. Okay, that's kind of basically where you run. You run at a diagonal angle to that point and hope that you can get it. If it's a, like a bubble screen, if it's behind the line screen, the screen, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, he ran to that point, you know, and. Uh, and you know Josh McCauley is chasing after him, trying to get out, try, trying to get him, trying to get on him. Josh McCauley's running at him. This uh, defensive lineman didn't have a care in the world about Josh McCauley trying to block him. He just went up and grabbed the ball. Uh, you know, and you 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 read all the comments and things like that. And you listen to people talk, and they're like, "You shouldn't ever throw in that football." Look, we got to give credit to the opposing player for making a great play on that as well. Look. Washington was in big trouble. They were, they were chomping at the bit. They were really, really gripping tightly because they were on the verge of losing to Arizona. I mean, you have to you have to think about their mindset on the sideline uh, and and those individual players realizing that you know their season as badly as it has gone, they're about to lose to Arizona. Somebody has to step up and make a play. Arizona fans would be saying the same thing. Arizona players would be saying the same thing regardless of what situation they were in. Somebody's got to make a play. He made a play. He made a great play. You have to give him credit for that. And, yes, it was a poorly thrown ball by Will Plummer, and I guarantee if he, you know, if, if he could have it back immediately, he would have just put that ball on the string and, and yo-yoed it right back to his hand because as soon as it left his hands, I think he realized this is not going to go well. There's – a defensive lineman standing right there. You just had to hope that he is, you know, got bad hands and doesn't catch the ball. That did not happen. Uh, Latui Nasanoa caught the ball for the first turnover of the game, and then four plays later, Washington is celebrating in the end zone with their second touchdown of the game. And at that point, 
you realize that okay, you know, if we don't if we don't wrestle this thing back right now, we're going to lose this football game. You could feel it in the stadium. You could, I'm sure the fans, the the the, uh, the players could feel it on the field as well. The the tight grip around the throat, around the lungs, began to tighten even more, and then some more mistakes happened. They lost focus. There was some some penalty issues, and then and and again, I don't exactly know where to put the blame on the twelfth man on the field because I'm watching the I'm watching the play. I'm looking at the play. There's two down linemen. There's a huge gap on the right side of the defensive line. I mean, there is nobody lined up there. Nobody. <laughs> and the linebacker, Jerry Roberts, is standing there, and he's looking at the sideline, and he's like, what, wh- what do we do? We're missing a guy. We're missing a guy. Look at right here. And he's pointing. He's like, look, 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 look. And Levell Tatum is like, oh, I got to get out there, and just runs onto the field. As the coaches are like, no, no, come back. And by that time, it was too late. Levell Tatum was running to his spot. Washington was trying to get a playoff at that point. Arizona was either going to be caught with 12 men on the field or a guy running on and off situation where you're going to get beat in that, in, you know, on that uh, on that play anyway. So Washington, and look, you, you, you credit them for, for what they did. They took advantage of the play. They knew that they had something because Arizona was in disarray. And they took advantage of it. Arizona had the 12 men on the field. Um, and on a third and four play, the five-yard penalty gave Washington the first down that it needed to then essentially ice the game. Um, you know, that, that essentially put the game at a, at a situation where Arizona was going to have to need a Hail Mary. If they could get stops, they were going to have to get a Hail Mary to win that football game. You never want to be put in that position. Now, again, I don't exactly know, you know, what, where to place the blame on that one. Is is that the coaching staff's fault for not having the right personnel ready to go onto the field? Obviously, something was wrong because they only had two down linemen. I don't know if a linebacker was supposed to fill that spot. If Arizona felt like. Oh, you know, we think they're gonna run, they're gonna run, they're gonna throw the football here. So we're in a nickel package with two down linemen. I, I don't, I don't exactly know. What I do know is that this is a team, this is a program that cannot afford to have situations like that arise. They cannot because they can't make up for mistakes like that. Other teams can get a five man penalty or a five yard twelve man penalty and bounce back from that because they've got you know talent, experience, whatever have you. Arizona is not a program right now that can bounce back from a mistake like that. Arizona made essentially what you know, what what accounted to three big mistakes in that game, and it cost them on every single one of them. Washington was able to cash in both turnovers for touchdowns, and then they were able to essentially extend the game for an extra minute and forty seconds following that uh, following that penalty, essentially ending the game for the Wildcats, putting putting Arizona in a situation where they had to throw a Hail Mary pass. Um, and look, I mean, say what you want about the dropped passes uh, by B.J. Castile on the sideline. The seven yards is not going to make the difference in Arizona winning that game or losing that football game. Doesn't matter. Does, just does, doesn't matter at all. Um, 
it, it's it, it's a situation where uh, Arizona needed to do more early on. Again, settling for field goals. Why were they settling for field goals? Penalties. And you know, it's it's frustrating because I sit here and I think about everything that I've talked about on this show, things that I've discussed with friends, people I've discussed, you know, things that I've discussed with people in the program, people in that athletics department, people who are around the team all day, every day. And then just, you know, things that I've had in my own mind that never even leave my mind um, about this team. And it was all working so well, so well for 45 minutes. And then it's just that that dark cloud that continues to hover over this program, they find a way to lose the game. And until they get that win, they're going to have to overcome that dark cloud. But having, again, 10 penalties, some of them are just, you're just like, why why did that happen? How did that happen? How did we get to this point? And they caused the team wins. You know, they, they... 10 penalties, what, 70, 73 yards, 10 penalties, 73 yards, I think it was. So, again, I know that fans are upset. I get it. I Trust me, I feel your pain. I feel your pain more than anyone. As a 15-year season ticket holder, as someone who works for the program, someone who has grown up around that program, 45 years I've been a Wildcat fan. I can say that because I was listening to games as a – little baby with my with my grandparents with my parents with my family grew up a wildcat fan i mean listening to games football basketball everything working for the team doing what i do on the radio show you know i mean uh, nobody's you know i shouldn't say nobody i'm as invested in this team as anyone is emotionally financially physically whatever have you i get i understand that you are angry but again the time for pointing fingers is in the offseason. But right now, this team needs your support. Those players need your support because they, they can't – the players can't quit. And they're not going to. Based on how hard they played on Friday night, they're not going to quit. They ha- they're not going to drop the rope and walk away. They deserve our support. What went right for Arizona? Well, Plenty of things went right for Arizona that they played extremely well in certain several aspects of the game, and certain individual players played extremely well on Friday night. We'll talk about that next. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. So what went right for the Arizona Wildcats in their game on Friday night? A lot of things, honestly. Really a lot of things did. Look, my three keys to Arizona winning the football game, three keys to an Arizona victory as I laid out on Friday, number one was run the football. Arizona on Friday night against the nation's 104th rushing defense ran the ball 40 times for 218 yards. And they had some big gash plays in there as well. Stevie Rocker had eight carries, 87 yards. That's 11 yards a carry, folks. Had a 52-yard run um, on a uh, a play where Jamari was lined up at quarterback. 
handed off to Stevie Rocker, who went one way, realized that that door was closing rapidly, reversed, and Jamari Joyner was up to the task. He was out there blocking in front of him, got a chip on the linebacker. Bryce Wilma had already set the edge out there. There was nobody around that left corner, and it was off to the races for Stevie Rocker. So really nice run for him. Stanley Berryhill had a big 34-yard run in the game as well. Jamari had a couple of big runs, including like a 15-yarder. So they did run the football 40 times for 218 yards. That's five and a half yards a clip. That's as, that's as good as you can ask of a team, honestly. That is as good as you can ask of a team to average five and a half yards per carry. They did get one touchdown on the ground, of course, on the quarterback keeper from Jamari Joyner. My second key to the game to victory was pressuring quarterback Dylan Morris. I, I, I discussed just how poorly he performs under pressure. On this season, he was for, completing for, 41.9% of his passes, something like that, when he was pressured and was sub-50% against the Blitz, had thrown three interceptions against the Blitz this year. He was not, he's not good when, when, uh, when he's pressured. Arizona absolutely brought the pressure. They blitzed on, I would say, 80% of their plays. They were blitzing. They were getting home on several of them. They got four sacks in the game. They had some early sacks. And you could tell it was getting to Dylan Morris. He was absolutely terrible in the first half. I don't have his his halftime numbers. I think he was like 2 of 11 for like 21 yards or something, I think it was, in the first half. I mean, he was throwing balls away. He was missing targets by multiple, multiple yards. Arizona was getting home on those blitzes and, and creating problems for the, for the Washington passing, uh, passing game. And then, of course, my number three key to the game was to stop shooting themselves in the foot, which didn't happen. That, again, was, was the undoing. So what did Arizona do right? Well, like I said, running the football, they looked extremely good running the football. Uh, Will Plummer's numbers, if you look at his numbers, you're like, God, what a joke. 13 of 20, 68 yards, two interceptions. First of all, the second interception – was the final play of the game. It was a Hail Mary, Asa Turner, you know, jumped up, caught the ball instead of just knocking it down, whatever. Okay, so I'm going to put it, I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to talk. That interception doesn't count. Doesn't matter, doesn't count, it's gone. So essentially 13 of 20, 68 yards, and one interception, no touchdowns. However, I, I feel like he played well enough to earn the start for next week. Not that they have many choices, but he, 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 he played well enough to earn the start. Outside of the one play, and again, I'm going to put 50% of that on Will Plummer. I'm going to put the other 50% of it on Latui Nasanoa because I thought he made an excellent play on the ball. He read the play. He knew that his, 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 he knew his team needed him to make a play. He stepped up and made one. Credit where credit is due, man. I may even give that one 51% to the defensive player, 49% to the offensive player because I just, I just feel like it was that big of a play by the defensive lineman. But I felt like Will Plummer did a good job of managing the game as well as he could. He was able to spread the ball around, even though they weren't featuring a, you know, a big passing attack. He spread the ball around to his receivers, six catches by Barry Hill, four catches by Castile, probably should have been five. He was able to find his backs. Stevie Rocker had a catch. Jalen John had a catch. Okay, uh, Jamari Joyner had a catch in the game as well. You know, Arizona has, because of Jamari Joyner, you know, they have this multiple Swiss Army knife on offense. He's kind of like the 
like the Isaiah Simmons or the Buda Baker of Arizona's offense, right? He can, he can do all kinds of things, multiple things. He can line up in the backfield. He can line up at quarterback. He can play wide receiver. He can he can be the the linchpin in gadget plays. You know, I mean, they had him right in the BYU game, right? The kick return, the the uh, the throwback on the kick return. So you know, he's so multiple for Arizona's offense because he can do so many things. Such a great athlete, he does so many things well. And having him out there on the field is is it's a it's a huge boon for Arizona's offense. Now, when you look at the at the Pro Football Focus grades for Arizona offensively. Okay, their top three performers were Stevie Rocker was number one. He received an overall grade of an eighty point zero, which is good. Um, even even his um, like even his blocking, like his pass blocking, he received a grade of seventy six point three. Um, I noticed that as well. I thought he did extremely good uh, pack, uh, picking up blitzing linebackers and corners. Uh, he upended one of the linebackers. Um, I can't. I think it was Jackson Sermon. I think he upended on what turned out to be a pretty a pretty big play for Arizona in the uh, in the second quarter of that game. Stanley Berryhill was the number two performer, receiving an overall grade of seventy five point three. And Josh McCauley, who we thought might not play in the game as the starting center, I saw his parents before the game, um, and uh, and Josh ended up playing, and he received an overall grade of seventy two point zero. Received a, the team's um, second highest grade in pass blocking behind Josh Baker um, and received the team's highest run blocking uh, grade of a 67.4. So uh, good, you know, good performances by, by, by those three. Uh, Jamari Joyner played well. I thought Jalen John, even though his numbers would not show it, but 19 carries and he continues to move the pile when he's, when he's contacted. And look, for a freshman, and we, I mean, you know, we're watching the game, we're watching through binoculars, those Washington defenders were digging at the ball. They were trying to rip that ball out of there. They were stacking the, the Wildcat running backs up. They were stacking them up and trying to rip the ball out. And imagine the horror on the sideline of the coaches knowing, you know, it would, you know Jed Fish and, and, uh, and, and uh, Brendan Carroll and, um, uh, the, and the running backs coach, you know, they, they run two freshmen out there. And ball security is so important for the Wildcats. And to have those two freshmen out there, 27 carries, uh, and they both had a catch also. So they touched the ball 29 times, no fumbles. I thought that was uh, that was excellent by them. The offensive line is, is a problem, um, specifically the two tackles. You know, we continue to, to look at, you know, how they play, um, where the weakness is, where defenses are keying on Arizona's offense, how they throw Arizona's offense off of rhythm, and it's consistently coming around the edge. And Jordan Morgan and Peyton Fears, for as well as they are in the run game, in the passing game, oh, boy, they, they, they've got a lot of work to do. They've got a lot of work to do in that, uh, in that aspect. Um, you know, it's really, you know, I, I was watching because Washington got their lead uh, pass rusher back, uh, Tupoa uh, Fatui, um, Zion is his name. They got him back from an Achilles, uh, ruptured his Achilles last year, and he was back on the field full time for them. And he just, he just, it was, it was a complete mismatch every time he was lined up against Peyton Fears. And look, Zion is is going to be a player at the next level. He's going to play in the NFL. He'll play on Sundays. I don't know how effective he will be. He's not uh, Miles Garrett or anything like that or Von Miller. But he, you know, he is an effective pass rusher. Um, he's very, very quick. Uses his hands extremely well. And 
Peyton Fears was just on his heels the entire night, and it caused problems in the backfield for Arizona. Uh, so something has to be done about the tackles. The tackle situation is not good right now. Both left tackle and right tackle are not performing at a level that you would want them to be specifically in the in the passing game. Running game, they're doing fine. Okay, I I, I really I really do believe that. I really believe they're doing fine. Uh, but also when you look at you know Arizona had ten penalties. Three of those penalties were on the tackles, on Morgan and Fierce. So they've got to clean that up. Like Arizona's got to figure, Brennan Carroll's got to figure out a way to to clean those guys up. You got to you got to fix what they're doing wrong, and uh, and get and get their get their minds right, get their feet right, whatever, get their technique right. Just get them better at their job because you cannot have two tackles that are not only leaky in the passing game but also costing you yardage in penalties. Just can't do it. It's it it, it will it will completely unravel your offense, and we've seen it. Several times this year. Defensively, Arizona, I thought, played extremely well. Uh, you can't say enough about what this defense has done all year under Don Brown. Anthony Pandy, I think, maybe had his best game of the season, even though the numbers won't show it. You just look at, at how effective he was in every aspect of that game. I thought he played extremely well. Jalen Harris was awesome on, on Friday night. I sent a text message to Justin, Justin Spears, early in the game. Washington was running right at Jalen Harris. It was their game plan to run at Jalen Harris. They felt that they found a weakness in Arizona's defense, and they were going to run right at him. Well, (laughs) Jalen Harris was up to the task. I think he realized it early, too, and he manned up, and he played that edge, and he played that run game as well as I've seen him play the entire season. In fact, his his PFF grade in the run in run defense was 73.7. That's his, by far his highest grade of the season in run defense. So props to Jalen Harris for stepping up when they tried to key on him and run at him all night long. Step up and make plays. Mo Diallo was amazing. He was awesome. He continues to be one of Arizona's best players on either side of the football. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll continue with more Wildcat Talk next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Other positives from the game on Friday night. Look, Arizona's special teams looks as good as it has in years. Wildcats were 3-for-3 in the kicking game. Tyler Loop kicked two field goals, and Lucas Haversick kicked a 50-yard field goal. The kicking team scored 10 points for the Wildcats on Friday night. Uh, The Wildcats blocked a punt in the the opening quarter on the the first drive, essentially Washington's first drive. They blocked a punt, recovered it, were able to recover, uh, go three and out for seven yards, and then kick a field goal. Put them on the board, put them up 3-0. And Kyle Ostendorp is an absolute weapon. He's a problem for opposing teams. He had five punts in that game and averaged 56 yards per punt. Had a 68-yarder that uh, that put the uh, that put the Huskies. I think they they ended up getting the ball like the 16-yard line. I think they started that drive. He had three punts inside the 20. And Ostendorp has uh, has become a real weapon. He can actually a- absolutely boom the ball. And even you know his first punt of the night, you can hear the groaning from the fans because it didn't look good. It was like a line drive. That thing hit the ground and just bolted for the for the end zone. I mean, it was just screaming 
down the uh, down the turf. Um, so you know what was looked like a bad punt turned out to be a good punt. Um, so the special teams, I thought, played extremely well. Look, credit Isaiah Taylor. I didn't know it was him on the field. Uh, I I didn't. I was like, why would he be on in on punt block? Uh, but he was, and Isaiah Taylor got himself a a block punt in his freshman year. So congratulations to that young man for um, for getting after the uh, getting after the punter. Arizona saw something in films, and they were attacking that mid left side, or the, I should say the mid left side defensively, mid right side of the offensive set um, of the of the punt formation at Washington. They saw something in films. They went after it. They got the block. They got a big block. They almost blocked the second punt of the night, and then Washington had to go to rugby punts the rest of the way because they realized that they had a hole that they couldn't plug. That Arizona was going to continue to come, and they were going to get another block punt if they weren't careful. So I thought Arizona special teams played exceptionally well. Uh, credit Scott Spurrier and the staff for uh, for getting the special teams really rounded. Out. I mean, honestly, this is the best special teams we've seen in quite some time at Arizona. It's it's been bad for a long time. And I think special teams played extremely well on Friday night. We'll transition to uh, to NFL coming up after the break. And, of course, at the top of the 8 o'clock hour, the Dean's List and the Dunce List. What you've all been waiting for, I guarantee it. It's just a quick little two-minute break here, as we always do. And then we're right back for hour number two. Stay tuned here to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Casino Del Sol Studio, the soul of Tucson. This is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tanka Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson. 